You'll never believe this. A pastor and a rabbi walk into a podcast to discuss how faith and tradition should inspire us, but never limit us. Yeah, we talk about surfing, religion, stand-up comedy, hummus, pogo balls, and absolutely nothing important at all. You'll have so much fun, you'll never believe we're actually religious leaders. And I have new glasses that I'm playing with. Yeah, I see those glasses. You look great, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in denial that I need them, but... Uh, are they distance or are they reading? Just reading. Like, they said I could get away with those, uh, just like CVS readers. Oh, those are great. The problem is at my office... So at my office, I sit at my desk and I read a book or read notes and right. sit on a computer and talk to people at the same time. So I have to keep like taking, moving my glasses or something. Uh, and then when I'm preaching, it's nearly impossible to like see people if I have my reading glasses on. Right. So uh, there's just a mess of... Like so funny because I went to the eye doctor the other day and she was like, I had like a, a ding in my lens and I was like, oh, can you just fix it? And she was like, no, we need to get new lenses. And she like did the whole test. And I, I, I guess it's a good thing that I still needed the same prescription, but it felt like a waste of money because, you know, I needed to pay for, you know, new glasses because I had a little dent in it and it was bothering me, you know. But anyway, she goes to me and she says, you need to take your glasses off when you're doing something that's close to you, because I'm distance. And I said, oh, really? And I said, you know, you had told me a ways back, like, make your eyes work. Don't take your glasses off when you're reading. And then she was like, and she was like, right, I did say that. And she's like, but you have, what was the word she used? She didn't say like you've progressed, but she's like, you've, you know, you've, your body has changed. And I was like, oh, that's weird. So like, I now have to, and she was like, I told her that when I'm doing a, a bris, right, when I'm doing a circumcision, I don't want to take my glasses off because I think I'm going to freak everybody out. And she goes, no, she showed me how, like, when you have something close to you and then you move it further away and how it gets like, and she goes, now take your glasses off and put it close. And I was like, everything was perfectly clear. And she's like, take off your glasses when you're doing your brisses. And I was like, all right. So now I do. See this. So these are, um, progressives so they're like like i can see people fine from the top read the computer find the middle and read a book fine if i'm looking down my nose oh man but they're they're typically expensive and i don't really want to spend all that money and you know you got to look good in them oh, it's just a mess so i have like they look good on you those ones look good you don't like them they're all right they're nothing special but they wound up free. So what happened was I, I put in a return order for them because I keep getting headaches. And then when I take them off, I can't see anything the rest of the day, no matter where I look, if I take them off. Oh, because you get so used to them or whatever? I guess. But now I, I literally can't see anything. I can't see my screen. I can't see you. Oh, that's I can't annoying. read a sign on the wall. It's just everything's blurry. But now everything's clear. So I don't want to wear them all the time. Anyway, so I was going to return them. And I was getting headaches. Put in the return. <clears throat> the package sat in my car to drop off for two days. And then on the third day, they sent me a refund in my credit card. So I got the refund already, but I still have the glasses. Oh, that seems weird. I'm going to wait to see if they follow up, but we're not going to post this part. So I don't look like I'm perfect. perfect. Yeah. You don't want to, you don't want to put it out there, but we are recording. Hey, Oh, <laughs> 
<laughs> more stuff one. that we don't no matter, need. All right, no matter how much of this equipment I have, if we're not recording, yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't does really make a difference. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I remember the last time we did it. It was a good, it was a fond memory. I, I did enjoy the time spent. Well, um, my first question is, will you forgive me for not recording the last episode we did on forgiveness? I, of course, will forgive you. Um, it's so funny because I, I, I don't remember that like about a minute before you realized I moved the cursor and was like, isn't there supposed to be a red dot somewhere there that's like... <laughs> Is it I was like, to be recording this? <laughs> so I wasn't hundred percent sure. And I was like, but I don't want to start talking about it. Like we're about to like wrap up. So I just waited for you to go, Oh no. And I was like, it's like, yep, we didn't record that. Had a feeling. Nope. So it's okay. Um, so what, so now you just forgave me. What does that mean for you? What does that mean for me? That means that for the last four weeks, I've been bottling it up inside and now I can let it go. Yeah, it's a good Jewish future right there. It's a good, it all, it's like right here. It's been right here in the chest area for a very long time. And now, yeah, that, that's the area. And now I feel, I feel much better. I feel much better. Good. That's all. How how do you feel, Ralph? Do you feel much better now that you've been forgiven? Uh, Yes, I feel I was holding on to so much uh, tension and feeling like the relationship was disconnected and wondering why you weren't texting me, surfing memes as often as you were before. Right, right. Yeah, I didn't mean to let that slide. I apologize. It wasn't that was not like it wasn't it wasn't personal. Yeah, well, that's forgiveness for you. It's tough because it's like sometimes I think what's happening with forgiveness is people are just saying the words right and they don't really right. Right. carry anything to them like I, I know people who will say oh i forgive them but what an asshole what do you hear what they did and i wonder like okay so you didn't get over it you still hold the grudge what was the forgiveness for like what was the point right no totally i i think i had the same sort of experience many moons ago when i was i think i forgot to say i love you to a girlfriend and she was like and then I said it like kind of delayed it or something. And she was like, oh, okay. And I was like, okay, like I got to say it all the time. And like got all uppity and like really mad at her. And I'm like, but, but there is a thing. It's the same sort of a thing. If you say, I love you all the time, like whenever you hang the phone up and sometimes you accidentally say it to the receptionist at the doctor's office, like yeah. that, that becomes pretty meaningless. Yeah, I agree. But she held on to that, that you didn't say it that one time. It, she didn't care. Like, I feel like very quickly she got over it, but like, I got really, really pissed that like, I, she just, it was that tone of like, Oh, okay. Like it wasn't even like, I love you too. It was like, uh, I was waiting for that. And I'm like, you're, you're waiting for that. Why don't you say it first? Yeah. And it was, it was weird. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, there's definitely a, a vulnerability on both sides with forgiveness, right? Like the person who feels like they've been hurt, needs to let somebody know because I, I i'd imagine sometimes i've hurt people and had no idea that they were hurt by something i did but so often people walk away they're like oh that really helps a real jerk you know right they never say anything and i don't know what was you had a story last time where you just didn't know oh, or somebody yeah yeah you don't remember the story last time i so remember but spoke... our listeners don't this is for yeah, the yeah, listeners yeah. thank you I'm for empathizing for, with those thank who you are for, listening uh, who weren't there when you we know, didn't record the first time the 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 scab had just healed and now we're going to reopen it so let's do it so the <laughs> so i what had happened was um the night that we spoke 
uh, I had, we had gone on vacation. My family and I had just d- done like a three hour drive and mm-hmm. um, I had, I had somehow messed up my schedule and thought that I had uh, two circumcisions in the same town on the same night, the next night. So I was going to drive almost all the way double back home. Circumcision. You like that word? It's like, like a double ended lightsaber. <laughs> so, so I was like, I was going to drive back the next night. I, the whole reason we left on Monday was so that I didn't have to do the drive all in one day. And we literally put our bags down and I get a phone call and the guy says, did you forget about us? And I was like, what are you talking about? We spoke this morning. What do you mean? Did I forget about you? He was like, well, it's, it's happening right now. And I was like, you must be kidding. And like, not only was it that I would have left the, the guests waiting for like six hours if I had tr- tried to drive back. Cause it was such a, the traffic was a mess and everything, but you can't do a bris after sunset. Like you're really not supposed to do it. So, and that was like, it was the end of the day. And I just, there was no way out of it. It was like the worst feeling I've had in a long time. And what was funny about it though, was the, the person who, the, the father that I was speaking to, it was as if he um, had so little commitment to me as like a person, not in a bad way, just sort of like he needed somebody to do this job for him. And it was as if like, when I told him, oh my God, I'm really sorry. And I started like doing all this, like groveling and forgiveness. He was like, that's all right. And he went over to the vending machine and like popped out another moil and was just like, okay, got another guy. Cause he like found somebody from the next town over. And it was, to- he was totally not like that upset. And I expected the, you know, we're never going to you know, tell anybody to use you. We, we yeah. hate you. And he just was like, okay, cool. We'll figure it out. And, and, and he literally said, when I said that to him, he goes, yeah, you know, shit happens. And I was like, oh, okay. All right. So it's not that big a deal, I guess. But yeah, I, mean, I, felt, I felt horrible. I felt horrible. Um, yeah, I bet. I mean, you forgot. That's a big deal. I mean, a family prepares and invites family into town. Somebody flew across somewhere to get there. Yeah. To be there. They, they dressed up. They got everyone ready. They are. I mean, all the food ride. was there and like every, they had like food out and like everybody had been waiting already probably for 45 minutes. You know, they probably showed up at six and I was supposed to, you know, and I was going to do it at like six 30 and now it's six 45. And he's like, where are you? <laughs> I was like, Oh God. They got the emergency moil. Yeah, they got an emergency moil. That's exactly so, right. They pop, they pop the, the glass. So do you feel like you were forgiven just because he was kind of flippant about, about the, the apology? Like he was just like, eh, whatever. You know, I really don't know if I felt like I was fully forgiven. You know what I mean? That's not, that's not what, what I mean? felt. Why not? I, I, because it, I feel like there is an element to all of this that has to do with like a real forgiveness involves some sort of real pain for the other person. Not that you need to cause it, but like there really needs to be some sort of damage. Like you did something to hurt the other person. And when I didn't hurt the other person and he was sort of like, yeah, whatever. You know what I mean? It was like, oh, well, I guess I don't really need to, you know, ask for forgiveness that much because it didn't really hurt him. You know what I mean? And I was sort of like, I didn't have to like make it up to him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you if you ever feel that way that you need like, you know, when the, when the hurt is really bad, when you've done something really bad to somebody, then it then it, you really feel like not only do you need to like make it up to the person, but you feel like you need the the person to forgive you more, you know what I mean, because it weighs on you heavy. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you definitely need something back, and I think sometimes people are just catering to your needs because you're groveling or you feel like eccentrically sad. You know what I mean? Right. 
Right. No, like, for sure. I feel like there's definitely that uh, pandering uh, yeah, forgiveness. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. It's almost like I say at memorial services. Memorial services aren't really for the family of that are the direct family that's grieving. It's for all the extended folks who, you know, two weeks, three weeks after the, the, the person died, need to come and express their sadness to the family. And then the family who just lost their father or whatever need to take care of the people who are now sad for the first time or something, you know, same thing. It's like, sometimes if, you know, if I'm forgiving someone, I shouldn't have to cater to their emotions of feeling bad about what they did. Now I'm just serving them twice. Right. That makes sense. Like if you, no, totally. If you punched me, you hurt me once and I have to carry that. And then if you come and say, Oh, I'm very sorry. and, And grovel and feel like you need to make penance and all this stuff. And then I say, Oh no, no, don't worry about it. And I'm putting extra emotion into yeah. the act of forgiving. I'm giving another gift to you. No, uh, totally. And it just, it's more emotional uh, exertion for you. No, totally. Do you, do you, um, are you a Curb Your Enthusiasm fan? I've never watched it. I never got into it either. And for some weird reason, my father-in-law who loves it just sent me like a random clip the other day. Um, and I don't know if it's recent, old, and those who love it will go, oh my God, of course this episode, but I had never seen this. And it was um, where Larry David comes to visit his father and his father says, you know, it's like, it's like this really awkward meeting in his, uh, when he first shows up and he says, you know, what's going on? And he says, oh, you know, and he says, how's mom doing? And she goes, well, you know, she's doing better. And he goes, is she out of the hospital? He goes, well, well, yeah, the father says she's out of the hospital. And he goes, what do you mean? Where's mom? And she's like, well, she said not to bother you. And of course it comes out that like his mom is dead and his father didn't call him to tell him that his mom had died and the funeral happened, everything. And like, just when you said, like two weeks later, you have to take care of everybody else. He was told, he's like, you didn't call me when my mother died. And like, Oh my gosh. Oh, it's like only he would come up with something like that. But, but there's definitely something true to what you're talking about that, that sometimes what's happening is, and I think there's something very, um, that Judaism picked up on this very early on, because in our morning rituals, when some, what the, re, the, the actual law states that when I come to someone's house to pay a shiva call, which is what you do for the seven days after, um, the direct seven days after someone has a, loses a family member, all of the prayer services, everything, all of it happens in the house. But the rule is that when I show up to that house, I'm not allowed to initiate conversation. I have to sit there and wait for the mourner to want to open up and you, and I have been to a certain, I've been to someone's house once before where it was a real tragedy. And it was really, it was one of the um, terror attacks here in Israel. And this, this guy lost his son. Um, And we walked into his house and we sat there for 20 minutes and no one said a word. And he just sat there looking at us like as if he was about to completely crumble. And I said, and there's, there's something really like, Honoring where the person is, is an amazing thing to do when you're, in, you know, in that state. Um, yeah, and, and I bet you can take they, a- have to, they have to, you know, be hospitable. It's like the last thing I want to do after someone dies is take care of you or be hospitable or get you cookies or make you feel 100%. better. It's like, I should be able to sit in my own crap. Right. Like, but I, uh, I'm sure you could take a piece of that to forgiveness, right? Like maybe we should all wait until the person who's been hurt feels like they're ready to initiate you know, and, 
and then let you apologize. You know what I mean? I don't know how that would exactly work out on a practical level, but there's something to that, that it's not really when you've done something wrong to someone else, it's not about you at that point. It's really about them and what they've experienced. Right. That's interesting. One of the um, scriptures that, that is similar, but different, but specifically about forgiveness is like, if you come to communion, if you come to, you know, really receive uh, Jesus in that way, um, and you're holding a grudge against your brother or sister, you have to leave your offering at the altar, go and forgive them. And then you can come back. Mm. Like almost like something about what you're giving to God is corrupted or tainted or dirty. If you're holding a grudge, like you can't hold withhold forgiveness and mm. say you're serving God in some way. It's you, very powerful. And what's the holiday that uh, that Jews have that is all forgiveness? It's like a week where you're just. So you you uh, picked up right on our, our season right now. It's just starting. We are going into the high holidays, which is Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, um, which is the new the Rosh Hashanah is the beginning of the new year. And Yom Kippur is 10 days later, which is the day where it's called the Day of Atonement. Um, but it actually starts um, for some segment of Jews. It started already three weeks ago. And for the rest of us, it started just at, uh, when Shabbat went out this past week. We started doing what's called slichot. And slich, to be soleach, right, that word means to forgive. And what we started doing was we have these penitentiary uh, psalms um, that we were, that we, that we either do, you're really, really supposed to do them at like the, in like the middle of the night. So the first night, everyone at 1230 at night gets together in the synagogue and does these psalms. Um, and they're dirgy, and uh, I find it to be the most painful couple of weeks of my year, but they really force you. It's like, I think it's, it's the idea is with doing this beforehand, before Rosh Hashanah comes and before Yom Kippur comes, is you're getting yourself not only prepared, but you got to really, like, you can't just walk in on the day and be like, I'm good. Now you can forgive me. Like you really need to work at, you know, mm -hmm. um, getting yourself to a point where you can not only ask for forgiveness, but really, it's all about, I think it's all about improving and making yourself a better person. So if you think you can do that in, you know, one day, uh, you know, I think you're, you, I, I would be sorely mistaken if that were the case. But yes, this is the season. So how come you haven't told me everything you're forgiving me for? Forgiving you for, or why haven't asked you to forgive me for something? It's a good question. That, that's Festivus. When you just is that list. Festivus? That's that. Yeah, that's uh, uh, Costanza's. What's what's George's father's name? Frank Costanza's Frank Costanza. uh, holiday. He just makes a list of grievances he has against people. <laughs> that would be a great. Listen, I, I definitely I definitely have, I don't know if we've spoken about it before, but in my life, um, when I sort when I left my ex-wife and was sort of working on myself, I yeah. took it upon myself to meet up with every person who I felt like had done me wrong in the last little bit and told them, you know, you know, you did wrong to me and like wanted an apology from them. No way. And, wow. Oh yeah. Why, why did you do that? What was the, what was the impetus? So the, so the impetus was this, the impetus was that when I felt like when I was in this relationship with my ex-wife, um, I, I really felt like she pushed me around and I said, that's it. Nobody's going to push me around anymore. No one's going to, you know, and uh -huh. what it was, was really my issue was that I couldn't, I couldn't say at the moment when somebody did something that hurt me, I couldn't just say to them, you know, that really hurt. Please don't do that again. Or don't say that. You know, I just did exactly what you're talking about when we were talking in the beginning where we just bottle it up. 
And I said, I'm not doing that anymore. And the way I'm going to get myself to that point is I'm going to go to people who I, who really something that, that, that happened with them really affected me in a way. I'm going to talk to them about it. And it wasn't like, yeah, you know, you need to apologize, but it was an amazing thing to sort of come to them and say, listen, I just need to, to get this off my chest, you know, be it that we're, our relationship will be repaired in some way. And I needed to get it off my chest. And I did. And like the responses were amazing. Most of the people did not go, you know, I'm really sorry about that. Most of the people were like, you know, really upset with me that I did this. And really? yeah, it was fascinating. And they sort of really pushed back or sort of sloughed it off. And I felt very, uh, it was, uh, it was not what I was looking for at that point. I think, you know, from the, from the vantage point of trying to better myself, it was helpful, but it wasn't getting me to a point where I felt like, you know, I, my relationship was better with these people. But what happened was the very last person I, I met with was the person who married the two of us. And he was really the reason I was doing the, the, the initial ones because I was gearing up for the big conversation with him. Because what had happened was, I mean, I don't want to go too much into it and I'll keep it brief, but he, he had sort of directed our relationship in a way where uh, I thought we needed to, to really work on things before we got married. And when I walked into a meeting with the, it was going to be with the three of us, he sort of sideswiped me a little bit and was like, you're not treating her right. And you need to, you know, you need to give her what she needs. And I was at a point in my life where I didn't have the confidence to stand up to somebody I saw and as an authority figure and say to that person, you know what, I think you're wrong. Was this and a rabbi? Or a, a this was a rabbi. Family. Oh my gosh. And that's so what like, happened? That's like I, uh, marriage and family counseling 101. Is 100%. Like invite people to make their decisions about what's right and wrong. Not only that, not only that, you, you should, he never once asked like, how, what's your perspective on all of this? Like, like she told me that this, this is what happened. This yeah, yeah, wow. yeah, totally. And I would I, never, I, I mean, I, yeah, that's terrible. It was really bad. And I, and I always use this uh, image. I'm going to call always... him and he needs to forgive me just for hearing that. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. The, totally, totally. But I, I had this image of me sort of like really floundering and trying to get my, you know, get a grip on things. And I was like on a slanted sheet of rock with like a bunch of pebbles and I was slipping and I was trying to gain my traction. And he walked up behind me and just pushed me off the cliff. And for two years after that, I tried to do, give her everything that she needed. And it just, it just got worse and worse and worse. And so I came to him and, and the other reason I came to him was because one, I didn't want him to ever do this to anybody else. You know, if he was ever working with another couple, I really wanted him to know how bad this was. And two, um, he himself had been, I think he was at least married to his third wife at the time. And I just came in and like, it was, it was really funny. I, I really good advice from. Yeah, exactly. I thought, I thought he would understand this. And I walked into the room and I saw there was a student there who was leaving. And when she was leaving, she sort of saw me coming in and I could, you could see her face go like completely white. She knew why I was there. You know what I mean? Like she knew that things were about to get a little ugly in the room. And what was amazing was he was the only person who apologized. He was the only person who asked for forgiveness. He 100% immediately said, you're 100% right. I really messed up and I'm really, really sorry. That's powerful. That's the vulnerability you hope for. No, totally. And I think, and the amazing part was I could have seen someone in his position or even himself, I could have seen him fudging it and I could, and I would read through it. And he really was genuine. It was amazing. It was like a really powerful moment where I went, that was exactly what I needed. And I thanked him. I said, that was exactly what I needed was just, you know, an apology. And I let it all go. That was, it was really, it was honest. 
Yeah, that's interesting. That's powerful too. So did you feel, what's the difference in what you felt between the genuine um, apology and the defensiveness from the other people? Like, because you, you forgave them both, right? For sure. I definitely felt like I just needed to get something off my chest and I meant what I said, but when I wanted, when I wanted closure on something that wasn't, that wasn't right in my life, you know what I mean? And, and this was something, you know, on a much bigger level. I mean, the other people who I met with before, you know, it was like, uh, you said this one thing to me one time and it hurt my feelings. And, you know, like it isn't something that I needed closure on. This was something I really wanted and needed closure. And maybe he sensed that, but, but that, that the other meetings were like, they were like, uh, they were lacking something. They really didn't have, you know, the full, they, they gave me like one, they gave me the sort of building of my confidence, which was one thing I was looking for, but it also, it gave me a little bit of relief and release because I was, like I said, getting it off my chest. But this last meeting, when he turned to me and said, you know, like, you know, I really messed up. I'm really, really sorry. It's like, you can see when you can see in your life, like the direction things were going. And, and I, and I do believe in some ways that, that potentially if we had gotten into therapy, you know, who knows what could have been, maybe we could have, you know, worked really hard to, to better our relationship, you know, but it was too late at that point when I was coming back to him, like we had already damaged it to a place of no return. And to see that you go, that's the spot right there where things derailed. Um, It gave me a lot of closure. It gave me a lot of, it really was helpful. Well, and that's the the Greek, you know, the original Christians wrote the Bible in, in Greek, and uh, the Greek word for forgiveness. We often think modernly that forgiveness is I'm you hurt me, and I'm forgiving you as a gift to you to not feel right. bad, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to do that. But the original Greek word is egoemi, which means to throw away or to like hurl away from you. Mm-hmm. So the idea was that like. If you hurt me, I'm carrying the pain and resentment uh, and discomfort. And I forgiveness is first and foremost a throwing away of all the disdain and the pain in your chest or your throat, right? Like, I can't carry this pain anymore. You hurt me. I'm not bad. You're the bad person. Mm. And it's such a, a liberating idea of what forgiveness should be because so many people, again, are overwhelmed with you know he abused me why would i let him off the hook or they often assume that if i forgive you i have to be back in the same relationship with you right right forgiveness doesn't say what you did was right or we have to be in a relationship together again the same way you can still say i forgive you because i don't want to carry this pain and i'm going to have boundaries and we're not going to you know casually meet anymore or it's going to take a while to rebuild trust and be intimate with you right forgiveness it, you know it's ultimately a gift to yourself to get rid of the grudge and the, the burden you carry for being hurt sometimes 100 percent. i'll tell you that what's interesting about what you're saying is is that rosh hashanah uh when we do start the new year um it, on the second day in the afternoon we go um we go to a body of flowing water and we do a a, a ceremony called tashlich and the 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 root of that word is shin lamed chet, and that word means to throw away. And um, it's it's interesting because what you're saying is a little bit the opposite. Like we always envision it, at least I always envision it, that I'm throwing away my sins, right? And I'm and I'm taking my sins and I and I and I'm getting rid of them. 
But in a sense, you're saying that not only could I be getting rid of my sins, I could be saying, and the other things that people have done to hurt me, I should also throw them away on that day. And that would, that would give me some release as well. It would, it would, you know, be healing for, for all of us, if we were to sort of let go of the things that we feel like other people have hurt us with. The other thing I wanted to say though, was I, I think that there was a time in my life where forgiveness was something I needed to give almost instantaneously. Like it had to be like gone, yeah, like yeah, that uncomfortable feeling. Sit on it. Yeah. yeah. You couldn't sit on it at all. And, and, and I, and I think as I grew older, I realized not only was it okay for me to say, it's going to take me some time to get back to our, you know, where our relationship was, but also it was okay, you know, for me to say to other people, you can, you know, you can take time. If you need time to sort of get over this, I understand, you know, like that's a, it's a, it's a totally different and mature way of, of sort of looking at the world when you say, you know, um, forgiveness doesn't, it doesn't need to be instantaneous. You can be upset. You can be mad for a little while if that's what you, whatever it is, you know, and, 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 and I think probably one of the hardest things might be that if you had to say to someone, and I understand if you never forgive me, right. right. That, that would be a really hard thing, you know, to have to sort of deal with. Yeah. Again, it's, it's trying to keep the peace at the expense of your own emotions sometimes, right? Like if someone says, I apologize, there's no closure. There's no peace. If you don't immediately say, I forgive you. It's this like open circle that you're like, mm. yeah, finish the circle. Fin- the circle's not done. Yeah. Right. Come on, get it, <laughs> yep, get yep. it. You need to complete yep. it. Go complete yep. it. And just sit there. Like the, the, the turning of the keys when you break up on the, you know, that one on Seinfeld where you both have to turn the keys and oh. you don't break up <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. You both got to turn the keys for forgiveness. I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, that's tough. And you, you shouldn't have to take care of somebody else. If they hurt you, you should just, you know, say, okay, when well, I'm ready to forgive you and I'm ready to, to make that closure, but I don't feel the peace. So I'm not going to fake it and then, you know, say it and then feel 100%. bad about saying it or keep, keep holding the grudge. I think also, I, I think in my own life, you know, speaking back to the, to the divorce that I had mentioned a minute ago, I think one of the harder things that I had to come to grips with, and, and it probably a lot of the time was me working through these things during the high holidays um, was this idea that, you know, I don't, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to forgive the other person. And I still, I, I still don't know if I've ever, I, I think I've let go of a lot of it, but if you have asked, if you asked me, like, do I forgive my ex-wife for what had happened? I don't. And, and not being able to say that, you know, one, I think it probably helped me in, in a lot of my other relationships, sort of what I was saying, which is I don't, you don't need instant forgiveness, but it's a sad thing. It's really hard to think, wow, you know, there's, there's something out there that I can in some ways never make right. Yeah. And it, it's, it's, it, it does sit with you. It does sort of, you know, it continues with you if you can't let it go fully. Yeah. Part of it's probably the people pleasing thing, but the other part is that is a complex, um, relationship right there's no one incident it's much easier to forgive an incident you know yeah than the the complexity of the relationship and the the way she interacted or how you responded or you know it's a consistent build of things it wasn't that there wasn't a foundation of, of love and commitment to one another so there's a lot more complexity to it so yeah it's got to be really much harder even think about it and some days it's like why you know why bother if it's not eating at you and there's no you're not interacting with that person anymore awkwardly or uncomfortably it's like yeah some things just let them go 
So wait, in the on the flip side of that, uh, do you do what I do, which is make your children apologize to each other? Not anymore, because Kendra reads books and tells me what not to do as a parent. <laughs> so so she's she's forgiven you for who you are is what you're saying that's what's happened oh i didn't say anything was forgiven i just I don't, <laughs> nice i don't force them to apologize because i know i get told not to if that's the case. Uh, I, I i gotta be honest it's this thing it's i struggle with i'm with i'm with kendra on a sort of purely theoretical level like i think i i think she's right and I'm sure she's got books to back it up. And I would never tell her that she was wrong. But I mean, I what parenting like, is perfectly right, though. Like, it's not no, like a science or a math. 100% no. But I, I, I think when we started out, I didn't force the children to apologize. And then I just noticed after a while, they just never apologized. Like, I couldn't, I couldn't figure out a way to get them to apologize. Now, if anyone out there wants to put in the show notes or whatever, like, I'd love the help. But like, I felt like you have to in some ways be modeling it. And maybe that was what I wasn't doing enough of myself. I wasn't myself apologizing to my children or to my wife in their presence so that they saw how to apologize, but it wasn't happening. And I wasn't willing to just go, it'll come someday. You know what I mean? Like I needed my children to be able to do that and, and sort of have that in their lexicon. Yeah. That's yeah. I mean, that's a much more interesting way to, to teach apology is to, to model it, right? To apologize to people. But I mean, how often are you really doing? I mean, it's just a big difference. Like how often are we doing something incredibly wrong that we need to apologize to for? That's kind mm. of rare, you know what I mean? Where every day your kids are doing something eight times where it's like, right. you, need to apologize. you need to apologize, you need to go, just get back there. You didn't apologize. I know they didn't, but you need to now. <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's like yeah. constant of just breaking rules and fighting and stuff like that. Yeah. And again, like you want them to feel like, yeah, forcing them to apologize doesn't get them to the genuine emotion of, you know, telling the other person what they did wasn't okay, but they're over it. It's not going to bear the burden. There's no emotional involvement with a parent forcing you to do something. So I get that, but I'm also sort of like, I don't know any other way to teach it. You know, unless I, what we could do. Oh, here's an idea. You should mm. do things wrong on purpose. There you go. So for the benefit, like just just when you when 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 your wife's cooking dinner tonight, just punch her in the arm really hard while your kids are watching. That's it. Really and though, and, and then don't, say don't hold back. Like whack. Just give her like a real good one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then and then apologize. And or, then and, and then at the fake, end go. Here's another one to teach him how to forgive. Ready? You I'm should ready? fake that she knocked you over in some way or like hit you, you know, just like that's it. Kind of when that's you walk it. in front of her and she's blocking their vantage point, you just like, whoa, like <laughs> slapstick fall over to the floor. Like, Why did you do say, that? That's yep. not fair. You need to apologize. And then when she does say, well, children, watch this. I forgive you. That will it's, help them develop. And then, you're like, and then you go, wait, no, no, no. I didn't say that you should forgive me, hon. I said, you should apologize. <laughs> She's like, no, no, I forgive you. <laughs> and the whole message is right there, right? It's like the whole thing. By the way, there's something really interesting that, um, that, I, that I think is, is powerful, yet it's a, it's a little weird in Judaism, but I, it, it, there's this idea that um, you're supposed to treat other people as you want to be treated because... If how you treat other people, when the day comes that you meet your maker, that's how you will be treated, right? If you treat people, 
If yeah. you treat people horribly, then that's what you're going to get in return. It's like, it's like this weird so karma, you know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. like, but at I'm the same taking time, taking care of you because right. I want to be taken care of, not because exactly. I genuinely feel for you. Well, we, but I just want to say in, in Judaism, there's one other idea and it's, and it's this idea that, um, that the things that you do that aren't what's called lishma, which means for their own sake, when you're first doing these things and you're doing them just because you're told to do them, we think that it will lead to one day being for its own sake, right? For the right reason. Yeah, so it's genuinely true. That's like practicing sports, right? You're kicking a ball over and over again in a ridiculous way because then you get in a game and your body's just like, I'm doing this to score a goal. Right, right. No, so, but- but so that, so we, I think we're not as much focused on like, are you treating other people in a nice way? So that, that, cause that's the right thing to do. We're like, we don't care. Right. Sometimes we just care about the outward, you know, what are you doing and how are you treating other people? And that in and of itself, like, you know, you, you, you can't get caught in those little details. Right. Well, altruism is so hard, like doing something because it's right. Right. Like, okay. What is the true North for what's right and what's wrong? You know, like you can, and you can't teach it to certain personality types and certain age groups. Like children don't understand what's intrinsically right. right. And then there's also people who are narcissistic who are like, well, it's right because it serves me. So I'm doing, you know, it's really, it's really hard and it's um, subjective in a way to determine what's right and wrong. Like sometimes we can figure it out, but even stealing, I've, I've heard, uh, you know, it's like, it's wrong to steal. It's intrinsically wrong to steal however Mm -hmm. what about people who are starving and being uh, oppressed by some sort of um system you know an outcast system okay is it right to steal i don't know that one i'm not going to touch that one with a 10-foot pole from a pulpit but right i think they should eat you know it's it's, so um, we have we have two different types of laws um on the books um one is called a mishpat and one is called a chok Uh, a chok is a law um, that there's no way that people ever could have figured it out. Um, like talking about keeping kosher, right? We never would have just sat down and gone, right, pig, we don't eat pig because th- there's nothing intrinsic about pig, even though people want to say, oh, it's dirty and, you know, da, 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 mm-hmm. and like, mm-hmm. it's, all, it's all BS. Really, the only reason we don't do it is because God told us not to do it. But then there are these things called a mishpat, and a mishpat is a law like thou shall not kill which, you know, at the end of the day, we probably would have figured that out on our own, right? Like we would have said, uh, yeah, we could see why that's bad, right? So, um, but those two things, uh, like you were talking about, I, I, don't, I don't know if there's like how much of a gray area we have, right? Where you're saying like, well, is it always wrong to steal? That's not really our issue. Like we, we start with the Thou shalt not steal, right? That's the first, yeah. that's the, yeah. uh, that's the starting yeah. point, but right. And then, and then there are other times where you sort of have to analyze the situation a little more. Um, but yeah, like I, if you think about where does forgiveness fit into all that, I, I gotta be honest, like, I don't know if we would have, what do you think? Do you think that we would have intrinsically figured that out on our own? Forgiveness? Do you think that we would have been like, we would have sat down and said, I have to forgive people. Like that is something that need be done. Or did we need to be taught that by some greater power? I don't know. I I, I do feel like, um, in general, people have a sense of empathy 
for other people's hurt. They, they have a mm -hmm. radar. I think everyone's got a radar of, of someone when they're hurt and knowing because we've all been hurt. And so we know how it feels if, if someone else is in the same situation, you know, to get broken up with, to get punched, to, um, to be abused, that kind of thing. We all have similar feelings that we can see. I think that's a innate human value is, is some form of empathy, knowing that if mm. I feel it, he feels it, she feels it. So I think may, I'm, I think most likely we would have figured it out. Like, um, the reason I ask also a, though, go ahead. I think there's also a, a, an ingrained need for connection to people, right? Like that's why mm -hmm. we forgive too soon when we're not feeling it, or there's awkward silence if you're not, right? It's awkward because you feel the need to feel connected and like there's nothing broken or hurting between you and another person. I think that's part of it. So I think we would have just stumbled upon the idea. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, and it probably was one that we stumbled upon and we, you know, we said was of God and, and God gave to us, but uh, we know it's part of our, how we're created to be is empathy and connection. So forgiveness would have just happened, even if it were cavemen handing each other a rock and forgiving gesture. <laughs> right, right. I, you know, the reason I also ask though, is because I feel like the, the model that we have that, that I think of in this, in the stories that we learn in the Torah um, in the old Testament, like those stories for me, especially if you go back to like the story of Noah, right. And the flood, there definitely were people who who didn't get this. You know what I mean? They didn't get it that we don't need to steal and like stealing and murder all these things. They didn't they didn't see that as a problem. And I wonder one if that has to do with what's happening around you. But two, I also think that the whole process that we went through in spiritual enlightenment um, and and this knowledge that we gained through these texts that we received. Um, I think that, that we're, we are also looking at it in a little bit and as hindsight is 2020, you know, it's like the best hindsight we've got, you know what I mean? That, you know, we were taught these things and then these things sort of become like, of course, of course we would do these things, but maybe, maybe, maybe they would, maybe they wouldn't, you know what I mean? And we, I think when we think about the Jewish people, when they were in the desert and God was sort of taking us out of Egypt and we were in the desert, we always think about ourselves as if we were children. Right, like actual like children, not the children, not B'nai Israel that we call like children of Israel, but like children, children. We, we, yeah. we were yeah, we were spiritually on a very low level. And we needed to sort of be taught um, you know, what is right and what is wrong. I mean, if you think about the stories that that go on through the through the desert, it's it's like we do the same thing over and over and over again. We keep messing up in the same exact way. And it's like, yeah, you you might be right. It, it, maybe we would have gotten there somehow, some way. But at the same time, I think these teachings are, 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 we should give it a little bit of credit that it did. I think it helped us along in our, in our, in our journey to become um, better people. Yeah. I mean, that, that, just the idea alone that knowledge is inherited would be, would go a long way, right? Like, mm -hmm. okay, Moses learned that lesson. We don't need to. What's, what's next? <laughs> what the, yeah. And, we don't need to do that all over again. You know, we're just, all, uh, we're, it's funny that we're all spiritual children, but wasn't Moses like 80 years old when he, when they, he brought the people out of egypt it's like yeah, sure yeah, yeah, yeah. he was child. like he was just yeah, a young was, buck he was yeah and, and i don't know if you remember what he said before he took the people out of egypt he kept going no 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 not me why me I don't, i'm not the guy don't don't yeah. don't look to me no he so, didn't say it like that remember he stuttered i can do it <laughs> do it <laughs> yep 
And and I and you and I mean, God, God got a little upset at that point. Like I always think it's interesting to watch those back and forth. One of the one of the things that's very powerful um, within the whole dynamic between Moses and God was, you know, there was a point where where the Jewish people we made uh, we weren't called the Jewish people at the time, but the Bnei Israel, the children of Israel, we made the golden calf. Like that's considered our biggest sin in the whole of the Torah. And when we did, God was like, "That's it. I'm wiping everybody out. And we're starting over with you, Moses." And then what's amazing is at that exact moment, God teaches Moses what's called the 13 attributes. And these 13 attributes are a way to sort of plead with God um, to get forgiveness. Um, and we, we, we come back to that language all this time during the, the high holidays. We keep coming back and using that language over and over and over again. Um, but what's amazing is like God basically needed to be talked off the ledge, right? God was like, I'm going to, I'm going to wipe them all out. And Moses says, well, what are the Egyptians going to say? And he's like, Oh, good point. <laughs> you know, like that. Yeah, that's true. He said, you, you led these people out here and you couldn't deal with them and you wiped them all out. And he's like, no, no, the point, point well taken. So, but that, that idea of forgiveness and using these sort of, uh, I don't know if they're not mantras, but using this thing to sort of help God remember that we, you know, are, are, are good people that he still wants to have around. Um, it, you know, it, it, it seems, it seems kind of foreign to me. Like, I don't think there's any way that I could apply that on a, on a, you know, interpersonal level with someone else. Like if I say these certain things, then that will get that person to forgive me. Do you know what I mean? But it, it's supposed to work, you know, vis-a-vis our relationship with the, formula. the creator. Yeah. 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 But like, I can imagine if I came to my my wife and I had messed up doing the same thing I always do over and over and over again, and then I said the same exact apology that I said before, like that's never going to work, right? You've got to, I don't know how you do it, but you have to like every time really give something genuine or you're not going to get, I don't think the forgiveness is going to come, at least not easily. Yeah, I think if it's genuine, yes. I don't know about the diversity though. Yeah, you think you think you can say the same exact thing over and over again and you can and and it still will work? As long as it's genuine and you're showing change. But you know, there's a there's a four apology languages. We I think we talked about that in our apology episode where there's four languages and some people just need to hear which one or which two they would appreciate hearing, right? Do you want to hear I'm sorry? Do you want to hear I'm wrong? Do you want to hear I'll do differently? Uh, or do you want to hear I'll never do it again? And some people just need to hear I'll you know, I'll never do it again. Right. You can say the other three and it doesn't work. But I think there's the genuine nature to it. Same thing we were saying with forgiveness is there's a very genuine connection and empathy you're looking for more than the I forgive you words, right? Right. Like we just I while we were <clears throat> while we were recording, um so a couple months ago, um a guy's dog attacked my dog. She got hurt, I got bit. Um, so he's been avoiding my calls for a while. And um, somehow I got through to him. We talked, we set an agreement up to, you know, repay medical bills and stuff like that. And I said, well, I'll text you. And I just need you to confirm to have it in a formal agreement. Right. So he, uh, he, he was empathetic on the phone. He was like, oh man, I didn't know that happened. I didn't know you got hurt. I didn't know you had blah, blah, blah. So then this is the first sort of, he said, the text back says, I'm so sorry for your injury and appreciate you working with me to cover your expenses. I sincerely hope you recover fully and I'm very sorry this happened. Wow. So it was, I mean, it seems genuine. Um, text is always hard, but it seems genuine and well thought out. Um, and then while we were talking, I was like, maybe he needs me to tell him I forgive him. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, 
sometimes you put yourself out there in such a huge way and you just feel exhausted. And maybe I gave them a little energy by confirming that the apology worked, you know what I mean? Whatever. I don't know if we often follow up with that. Like, you know, like, uh, I think like whenever I, you I, say, please, a thank you is coming or whenever you say thank you or you're welcome is coming. Right. Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. when I say, I'm sorry, there's not always a, I forgive you coming. See, I, it's funny because I think what might also be happening in this instance for, I mean, first of all, I think what he wrote, I actually think that was amazing. I don't, I don't think I've ever, you know, in, in these sorts of interactions gotten something as uh, well thought out and, and maybe, and felt genuine to me. I don't know if you, if you got that sense, cause you spoke to him one-on-one, -on -one, but um but I think what happens is that there's with all this legal implications that come from, you know, like say when you're in a car accident, the first thing you're told is like, don't apologize. Like if you apologize, it, it implicates you as if you did something yeah. wrong. And so immediately when we get into these damages and things, people put up a wall and they're like, you know, and, 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 and what you did was I think you kind of brought that wall down by saying, you know, this is, you're very clear with what you needed. Um, and I think that that was, that was helpful. And I, and it's funny because I wonder also if text actually helped in this instance, because I feel like there are times where when I'm writing something, especially if I'm writing it in another language, which I do constantly, cause I'm writing in Hebrew cause I live in Israel, but when I'm writing in Hebrew, like I feel much more like I'm going to write sound better in, in, in Hebrew when I'm, when I'm writing a text. So in some ways it gives the person the time to think, which they may need in the space they may need to sort of come up with what they need. I don't know if you agree with that. I mean, no, you I said text true. was hard. Uh, it's hard to read the tone. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But I yeah, agree with sure. you. I think he just might have needed some time to sit on it and, and have that you know, thoughtfulness and genuine empathy that not everyone really does in their daily practices. Well, that seems like a good place to wrap up. I know you have a hard out and you're being interviewed uh, for your press junket tour. Uh, yes, this is true. It's good. It's good that we uh, we cut it off here because I, I do have a whole bunch of people waiting on hold. Your here. assistant told me, yeah. Well, this was good. <laughs> I forgive you. For All right. Well, uh, I, I forgive so you too. And, uh, and I'll say the one last thing I'll say before we wrap, wrap it up is that when I say when we say it, I think we both mean it. And like I, the one thing that I that I genuinely despise that happens during the the high holiday period is that people will send out this email that says, "If I did anything that that you know was wrong this year, oh, yeah. uh, please forget." And I'm like, just no, come on, you gotta you gotta come up with something. Yeah, like you just say, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> exactly, exactly. Prayer hands, yeah. It's so, uh, but honestly, we I forgive for whatever in, in you know things that we, uh, we 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 tripped up on in the last one, and we're we're, hope, we're glad yeah, to be back. Whatever, so. I forgive you. Yeah, All right, perfect. <laughs> <laughs>